0: When I was younger and my family lived in Iran, we had a backyard pool at our home in Tehran that's really memorable to me. We lived in one of the units of a four-story apartment building that my parents had designed. They're both architects. Of course, following the Islamic Revolution in 1979, women can't swim in public anymore, so any outdoor public swimming structures that existed established Women's Swim Day and Men's Swim Day. Especially on Women's Swim Day, the pool would be fenced off from the outside, so you could never look inside of the pool from the street. Of course, the same applied to private pools. But the apartment building that we lived in wasn't a private estate, and it wasn't gated. It was on a main street. It was across the way from the district police station, actually. The pool was tucked in the back of the building. You would enter it via this white travertine staircase that you would step into from the garage that was underneath the building. The whole backyard area was white travertine, which had this rough finish, like a hammer technique, so that you wouldn't slip as you ran around the pool barefoot. The actual pool was a deep cobalt blue. All the way around it was a one meter wide ledge where you would lay down under the sun, you would tan. And between the backyard and the district police station, there was just a private lot that was A garden with like a one-story structure so there was no vertical barriers between the pool and the police station so I remember as we would be playing around in the pool every cannonball was charged with the intrigue of oh can the police see us at least for me in my little kid brain I was like oh are we going to be caught I mean we were never caught and and I think that this mundane day-to-day rule breaking is very common to most people's lives in Iran And my parents spent a lot of hours in the summers with the rest of our neighbors in the building who shared the pool with us, eating and drinking by the water. And somehow that space was very enchanting to me. And I can never liken it to the backyard pools that I've experienced since in single family homes in North America, either in LA or in Vancouver. To me, somehow that small pool that we had at the Multi-family building in Tehran acted less like a backyard pool and more like a hose. to Full Hose. This is a place where I talk about architecture the way I do on WhatsApp. My name is Horsheed, and the Hose won't love me unless I speak Latin.
1: The hose is a shallow pool on the central axis of the courtyard in an Iranian courtyard house. The courtyard house is a residential typology that is common to the hot arid regions in Iran. The earliest examples of the courtyard house date back to 3000 BC in the Middle East, but the historic ones that remain today were constructed between the 16th and the 20th centuries. As a typology, the courtyard house is remarkably legible and consistent, an impossibly high performing residential space in a very tough climate. The courtyard house is inherently introverted is comprised of an interior courtyard around which a thick band of rooms and corridors forms an intricate network of public and private spaces. To enter the house is to permeate the membrane of rooms from a far corner through a sinuous procession that penetrates the domestic realm to arrive at the hose at the heart of the house. <laughs> buÇ
2: var bo var
0: It is really hot outside, but you're almost at the house. All right, so as you're walking along the main street, there's going to be cars whizzing by. You're going to take a right at the alley. This part's going to be pedestrian only. You step inside the alley. It's super winding. It's super narrow. It's lined on both sides by tall blank walls with no windows. So this is going to be a relief. You're in the shade. So just keep walking. You're not going to be able to see anything, but behind these walls is the hidden domestic world of the back-to-back courtyard houses. These houses that are packed so densely together that the outer walls of the perimeter rooms are the demising walls of the houses next door. But you can't see any of that yet. Alright, so you keep walking. Eventually you'll reach a part of the wall. gonna be The facade is going to be more ceremonial and ornate, and there's going to be a little niche in the wall with a front door. So, just step up to the door, um, use the knocker to knock, and just sit in the shade of the entrance niche and wait. She'll open the door. Maybe just hit the buzzer. <laughs> Just step into the vestibule, don't be shy. This is the Hashti. You can tell by the name, it is the plan of the room is octagonal. If you want to see where the light comes from, just look up and... You'll see the oculus where the bright sunlight reflects off the morarnas or the vaulted ornamentation in the domed ceiling and washes down into the room in a kind of softer way. She's going to lead you to the inside of the house, so just follow her. You're going to walk into a corridor. It's going to be a very corrugated passage. It's going to fold in on itself many times. It's going to create all these chicanes. A chicane being a curve in the
1: passage that is added by design to slow you down or to make passage difficult, but in this case, it's to block you from seeing deep into the private quarters of the house.
0: So just follow her. You're gonna walk through the corridor and in the last turn, you're gonna be smacked dead in the face with bright sunlight from the central courtyard. Just take a second so your eyes can adjust. All right, so you should be able to see sunlight flickering on the water in the hose. The hose lined by garden patches with pomegranate trees. You're in the courtyard. The courtyard is often rectangular
3: and oriented on a north-south axis. It's typically occupied by members of an extended family, though in some cases the residents are a group of tenants who are not related but are tied together by the shared courtyard, much like an
1: extended family. Due to extreme temperature difference, the residents of the courtyard house inhabit different rooms at different times of the day and in different seasons. In the summer, for example, Maximum thermal comfort can be achieved in the rooms on the south side of the courtyard facing north, as they are the most comfortable due to minimum absorption of radiation and maximum ventilation and passive cooling. The shallow depth of water in the hose contributes to the passive cooling of the courtyard through convective breezes and added humidity. There's a spatial vocabulary that all courtyard houses consistently deploy.
3: The rooms are often named according to the number of apertures they have facing the courtyard. These apertures are called darpanjere, or door window. A room can be a dodari, sadari, or panchdari, meaning two door, three door, or five door. The apertures are not actually doors, though; they're floor-length double-swing casement windows. They're the only windows in the house, and they face the courtyard. There are none facing the outside. You open them to ventilate the rooms from the courtyard, but one cannot enter or exit the rooms through them. Firstly, because the rooms are elevated several feet above the courtyard, which itself is a few feet sunken below the street level. This means none of the room open directly to the courtyard, but rather adjoining each room, on one or both sides, is a short access corridor. The access room, or the kafshkan, punctuates the entry sequence of each room by creating a threshold. To enter each room, one could climb a few steps up from the courtyard and into the kafshkan, take off one's shoes, and enter the room. The access room has doors on both sides, stitching together the enfilade. As such, the circulation scheme of the courtyard house is an interjected enfilade, beginning and ending, in the courtyard.
0: Feel a cool breeze on your face. You watch as it makes ripples in the water in the hose, playing with the reflection of the building. The ambient sound of the courtyard is the sound of the ripples in the water. Take a couple steps towards the hose. As you get closer you'll see that there's a watermelon and some apples and peaches floating in the water. The hose is where the fruit stays cool, actually, waiting to be someone's afternoon snack, so feel free to grab a peach. You'll see a couple of orange dots that will stand out against the light blue of the hose. And if you squint a little bit, you'll see that they're little goldfish swimming around. She walks over, takes off her sandals, and dips her feet in the catch pool on the perimeter of the hose. She then bends down and splashes a handful of water on her face. With the hose acting basically as a fridge for this fruit, and a wash basin. Obviously there is no chlorine in it. It's still a stagnant body of water though and from what you can see there is no drainage or circulation or filtration. It also is still clear there's no algae despite the fact that it's sitting in the blistering sun for all these hours of the day and what you can see is probably perfect conditions for photosynthesis.
1: The truth is that the water stays clear because it's drained once a month by a person called an abhosee. The title of his job is self-explanatory, water-in-the-hose person. It's one of those architecture-related professions that are obsolete, kind of like a lamplighter. Another thing that contributes to the water being clear in the hose is actually the form of it, the shape, which is polygonal. The one that you're looking at is a rectangle, but it could also be an octagon or a hexagon. Anything basically instead of a smooth curve with no cusps or corners. This is because bacteria accumulates in these areas in the hose called the dead zones, and if the hose has corners, then the bacterial interactions would be concentrated in the corners, which actually keeps the water quality from declining in the rest of the hose, which keeps it clearer and cleaner for longer. The hose is built from stone slabs that make up the vertices, and then on the corners it's joined with mortar joints. In the end, the whole thing is coated with antibacterial waterproof coating that I think a lot of manufacturers produce for water features. Now, the one thing the hose is not meant for is swimming. Because that obviously goes against a modest, private vibe of the courtyard. You're not really supposed to get naked and jump in the hose. But I have seen people do it. <laughs>
0: با لباس یکی یه نمی کنه دفم از اون ما تو این حض زخط آب می راست
1: می کشیم شرکت گم شکت مهاجری بی لباس آبتنیه اما لباس خودکشی آله
2: خدای خدا. داشت هم کنی که بزنی توی مهاجرش بکشنش بیرون تمام آب و حض و لجست چون خدا می دونه چه کارای تو حض کرده Like the one that I told you, that's my favorite. That one is such a an like, experience going in it. So it's called Temple of Anahita. And then Anahita is like a goddess of water. It's located in the south of Iran in Fars province. It's very close to Shiraz. It used to be a palace in the Sasani era. And then this was for the king to connect to the universe. It was like a place for spirituality basically but it's a small courtyard right? yeah it's very small
0: you one person goes around the holes.
2: so like it's just a courtyard and the corridor around it is um, it has it's a roofed corridor and it's very mm-hmm. dark you just go through the stairs you go down into that corridor so you are in a very dark compressed space but that the width of the corridor is maybe like half a meter like my feeling was that I'm going to go in a dark space But then you go for into a dark space for two seconds and then you enter in the courtyard and then it's so much light. Mm -hmm. And then there's water in there that comes naturally in and the sound of... But Mm -hmm. when I saw it, there was no water, obviously, because that river does not exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was very, like, it was a very different experience.
0: And the hose is interesting to me because it seems like there's several different types of it. The Fien garden in, in Kashan is not just one hose. It's like channels of water coming down and there are little hoses and then there's like a bigger hose. Mm-hmm. To me, another type is the reflecting pool, uh-huh. which is at the palaces, the giant ones, yes, you know, like yes. at Sutun, yeah. The one that's supposed to be to reflect the architecture in the water to make it more grand. Mm-hmm. So it's a giant reflecting pool and usually the proportions of it are based on the proportion of the building to be able to see all of the building into in the water Mm -hmm. and then to me the separate thing is the hose in a courtyard yes um that's at the at the homes like at a smaller scale Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. somewhere that people can sit around or i don't know to me the biggest part of it is the social aspect of the hose
2: yes but then i and i like you know these courtyard houses they were not designed like for a single family they are so big that they were designed for, like, also the extended family, like the grandmother, the uncle, the aunt, or whatever. Like, they all lived in that place for ceremonies or occasions, like the new They would do the ruhosid. So it had three characteristics in the Iranian courtyard houses. It, it is functional as if it's in Yaz, it does the cooling. It is also a spiritual thing because... It's like a little paradise. It's like the lost paradise in the desert, but then you have it in the courtyard, and it is also social. So the host that's in the courtyard like unifies all the programs that exist in that house too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And in the, in the movies that I was using as examples, like in Mehman and Maman, which is Mother's Guest, which is this movie that I always loved so much. The, the movie is set in Tehran. It's one of those houses, and one family lives in one part of the... House and there's other families, and the mother has guests from either live from abroad or some like somebody that you would want to look good in front of. The family, the mother doesn't have so much money, but the story of the movie is everybody kind of scrapping together this fancy dinner for the guests that are coming Mm -hmm. over. All everybody that's contributing to the big dinner production is the people that live in different parts of the house, and the unifying thing is the courtyard and the hose. And then at some point. Cause the hose has goldfish in it. Mm-hmm. It was originally to eat the algae. So in this hose, they would keep the goldfish. And in the middle of this like, big production of the dinner, somebody, one of the neighbors' cats, grabs one of the gold goldfish, and the goldfish is bleeding. <laughs> so they get one of the neighbors from the courtyard house. is like a doctor, and they like bring him, and he's stitching the goldfish. <laughs> And you know my image of the host? The only host that I have a personal attachment to is my mom's aunt's host in Tehran. Do you have a host that you knew?
2: In my family, no. So I have friends who have like one of these traditional courtyard houses in Yazd and they renovated it recently and it's now like a guest house. But the the one that I like that is a guest house that also has a host is... House in Kashan, I don't know. Oh, I haven't been. Kashan is the, it's is a, is a religious city right yeah. now. This guest house, they renovated it so well. And then, like in the house in the center, when we entered, there were goldfishes, there were watermelons, there were fruit mm-hmm. in there. But now, I also think because it's so restricted, like now in Iran and the government and whatever. These courtyard houses and this house does another thing too now. It, people can't see inside from outside. So it provides a kind of public freedom for the people who are inside that guest house. So we are in the most religious city, not the most, but like maybe the second most religious city in Iran. And we are in this guest house and because it's a courtyard and nobody can see inside. And like we were friends with the owner stand they knew where to get wine, so we get wine and sit around the house. You got wine
0: in Kashan?
2: <laughs> but then the fact that you can do that, it, like in a guest house in Kashan, I-, I think it's because that courtyard also gives privacy, but then now in a different way. It gives privacy, but it allows for some freedom too. I actually have a friend who lives in a courtyard house in Tehran who is a photographer. So you know, also like in the Persian culture, each Friday, if like most people gather together for the for having lunch or something, but he organizes breakfast like each Friday, and it all happens in the courtyard. I have I also have this friend who each Friday in the summers does. They have a pool in their house in in Tehran, like really a pool. Okay, tell us now,
0: since we already came to it, tell us the thing that you were telling me about Which why one? you why you think. A hose is not a pool, and that's a pool and it's not a hose.
2: The pools that I've been to, or the pool parties that I've been to in Iran, <laughs> yeah. they've been in these mansions in Lavosun. And that's like, um, I don't know, an hour away from the city center in Tehran. Yeah, right? Yeah, and north. And these people who have these uh, houses or mansions in Lavosun, like they are, it's their second home, it's their summer house basically. And they usually go when it's the pollution is really bad in Tehran, they go there. Or when it's summer and they want cooler weather, they go there. They are usually surrounded by really high trees. Yeah. Like the picture that I sent you, like that's... A friend's house that the pool is surrounded just by really high trees <laughs> in the in a corner or it's located on a hill and they these the houses were built after the revolution so they have a very different design to them based on the needs of the client which is usually a party house the houses in Shemshak or Lavasun are party houses and then the pool there so is different for me because when you even when you're building it, you're thinking of it like this. You're not thinking of it like, oh, a place that connects everybody, or a place mm-hmm. that, uh, like the the position of it in the plan, for example, is not based on any of these reasons. It's only based on the, the reason that like there where the visual access is less. You know, these pools are like I'm not. There's nice. Like I. I love going to Lavosun to these pool parties. Mm -hmm. But it's because I want to (laughs) get away from all these uh, contradictions in Tehran, you know? Like, Lavosun doesn't even feel like...
0: Can you tell us, can you explain what it's like to go to a pool party in Lavosun? I've never been. It is
2: stressful. Wait, say
0: from the beginning. (laughs) From leaving Tehran, how does... When you and your friends go, how do you guys do it?
2: The times that I've been is usually, it's usually on Fridays, because the weekend in Iran is like Thursday and Friday. Usually it was a big feast for lunch too. So the way we planned it was like, okay, we go, we take five cars from Tehran, all five cars have five people in it. And then we had to prepare for, because we had to take alcohol or whatever we want from Tehran with ourselves. So a car would go first without any of these things in the car. So if they saw that the police was stopping in places, they would let tell it like the cars coming up before them. So they'd know and they'd get away. They get rid of the alcohol or they just wait. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, we get there. And it starts very relaxed. So some people are reading books, and but then it, <laughs> the part is that I've been there, like in Tehran, especially in Lavosun, like people are more. I don't know. they're it's like going to a club in New York. <laughs> it's the, I don't know. Like you don't expect that to be. You don't expect to have that kind of thing in Lavosun, but it happens. But then the thing is that. All these same people go again to another person's pool. the next week. So these twenty people are just moving from this pool to another pool. To you know what I mean? That's the. But then they also do it to get away from Tehran and to get away from. I'm telling. You, like I, I would go because I wanted to feel a bit normal being there. You know. But then the pool maybe also gave, it was maybe spiritual too, I don't know, you know, because I would go there to feel better or to do some meditation, being outside of the craziness that's happening in the capital. But, but also it was the socialness of it, it it's not like Ruhozi, you know. Ruhozi is a more as a theater on the hose. But this pool part is like the socialness is just drinking and gossiping, basically. (laughs) There's no performance. No, there is no performance or the socialness of it is like the socialness of going to a club, basically, you know, it's maybe for me, it was spiritual because I was like, I want to see some trees. I want to be outside of the pollution. I want to feel like I'm not even in Iran. But not, not many other people said that. They were just going there for the party.
0: To conclude the episode, I want to leave you with a gumball. If you're an architect and you use a software called Rhino, you know gumball as the widget that lets you orient, rotate, and scale an object. Can't live without gumball. If you're not an architect, and therefore actually more welcome to be listening to this podcast, I'm happier to have you here. You know gumball as a round, brightly colored ball of gum, something to chew on. Today's gumball is Cap kapki, or pigeon breast. It's a water-activated ornament that unlocks the performative function of the hose. One of the key architectural roles of the hose is the production of spectacle. As the center point of the central courtyard, the hose was often transformed into a stage using a couple of wooden planks and a rug. Comedy and musical acts were performed on the hose, with the audience looking on from around the courtyard seated or the windows of the rooms and the adjacent rooftops, kind of like theater in the round. The hose outside the context of the courtyard house and within the more extravagant Persian garden was a more involved spectacle. Persian gardens were built where a natural spring, or a qanat provided a water source.
1: qanat is an ancient Persian water supply system that taps underground mountain water sources and channels the water downhill through a series of gently sloping underground tunnels, often kilometers long, to the Persian gardens and towns.
0: The Persian garden would often belong to a member of high society, like a nobleman or a political figure. It would be built on a sloped land, and it would have a house or a mansion in the center, Water, which was used both for irrigation and to set the scene for a paradise escape in the desert, would start from the source at the top of the slope, and it would flow down the terrace section of the garden from hose to hose, there were multiple hoses, through these open channels that would cascade at each step of the terrace. In order to exaggerate the sound and sight of the flowing water, the open channels and cascades were adorned with marble ornamentation called sine Kapke meaning pigeon breast, or pulak mahi, meaning fish scale. Sinekapki is a feather or a scale-shaped carved pattern in the marble. It would sometimes be protruded, sometimes flat, sometimes concave. By passing over the Sinekapki on its course downhill, the force of the water was amplified. The gurgling sound of flowing water comes from when the flow profile of the water in an open channel transitions from fast-moving on a downslope to slow moving in a kind of tranquil condition. This is called a hydraulic jump. When the volume of the water is low though, like when you're in a desert, for example, in the case that we're talking about, the fall of this mini little waterfall doesn't really produce dramatic effect. It doesn't look cool, it doesn't sound cool, it doesn't look like anything. So to solve this problem, instead of dropping the water straight down, architects would run it on a sloping surface Often at 40 to 50 degrees, which instead of a smooth surface at the bottom would be covered in 10 rows of sinecapki. Sinecapki allows the small bit of water that flows from hose to hose to sound and look like a gushing, rushing, splashing stream of water. In that way, sinecapki is the hose's most critical agent in the production of spectacle. It paints an image of paradise at the scale of architectural detail. That's it. Thanks to our Mehmoon and to Mariana Gonzalez, Sarah Shapiro, Ben Bromberg, and Daniel Mota for their support of the episode. Our cover art is by Yu Chao Guo, and our transition music is by Lucas Wynn. The Full Hose theme song is by Keihan Kayser from the album Neil Guy Dreaming. You can find the visual material for the episode on Instagram at Full Hose. That's at F-U-L-L-H-O-W-Z. If you like what you hear, leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.